red flags, but okay podcast beginning in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey, Jen. Hey. Happy birthday from America. It's my birthday in America. It's December 21st. It is the winter solstice. There was also a really cool alignment of planets. and uh, We'll get to that later. Oh, are we going to? Dope. Um, also, <laughs> I've got other things to say about it. This is the anniversary of the Lockheed Martin bombing. Um, <laughs> one of the many things that happened during the Black Mass that summoned me from hell. So <laughs> it is. it is my birthday today. It's a spooky day, and that's how it should be. But also, today, on Weird Flex, we're talking about Marion Bright for the Xmas season. Yes, we are, Marion Bright. We are going to tell you things. Mm-hmm. You're going to listen. Sure. And it's going to be merry. And it's going to be bright. It's going to be merry, goddammit. Because <laughs> it's the season. It. You're going <laughs> to love it. Oh, I'm Kate, by the way. <laughs> I <already> mentioned <laughs> And I'm Jen. Hey, Jen. Okay. Um, you're in charge of knowing who goes first. So who goes first? Yeah. Yay. I'm excited. We're going to start off in the sky with oh, Lucy and diamonds. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> there is a competition among the stars of the Milky Way galaxy. The home of our solar system, in case you were not aware of that. What? <laughs> <laughs> I just became Walter Matthau for a second. <laughs> this is just a very specific what. <laughs> I'm so old. Oh my god, okay. Okay, I'm done. The current brightest star is Eta Carina, oh. which comes in at an estimated... 4.7 million suns. That's a lot of suns. It's, it's very difficult for me to conceptualize that as a unit of measurement. <laughs> but a new star is making waves and challenging Eta Carina. Okay. The Peony Nebula star yes. clocks in at an estimated 3.2 million suns. However, scientists say that measuring an exact brightness is very difficult. So there's a possibility that these stars shine at the same brightness at some points in time. Wow. Space physics is wacky. (laughs) In the Peony Nebula star, they just found with one of the new satellites, like it was like hiding for a little bit, which like, how does a star that is as bright as 3.2 million suns hide. Extra sneaky. That's pretty <laughs> cool. That's really awesome. Every time we find something new in space, like a portion of my brain just explodes. Because it's, it's like, yeah. It's like, how? To, first of all, like cool that you found it. Cool that there's stuff we don't know about in space. But even more so, like, how'd you do that? It's wild. Like, how are you so big brain that you can do that? Hey, Jen. Happy birthday from America. It's my birthday in America. It's December 21st. It is the winter solstice. There was also a really cool alignment of planets. And uh, we'll get to that later. Oh, are we going to? Dope. Um, Also, (laughs) I've got other things to say about it. This is the anniversary of the Lockheed Martin bombing. Um, (laughs) One of the many things that happened during the Black Mass that summoned me from hell. So... (laughs) 
it is it is my birthday today. It's a spooky day, and that's how it should be. But also today on Weird Flex, we're talking about Marion Bright for the Xmas season. Yes, we are Marion Bright. We are going to tell you things. You're gonna listen. Sure. And it's going to be merry, and it's going to be bright. It's going to be merry, goddammit. Because <laughs> it's the season. It. You're going <laughs> to love it. Oh, I'm Kate, by the way. <laughs> I <laughs> mentioned that. And I'm Jen. <laughs> hey, Jen. Okay. Um, you're in charge of knowing who goes first, so who goes first? Yeah. Yay. We're going to start off in the sky with oh, Lucy and Diamonds. Okay. That is the stars in the Milky Way. That's really cool. I don't know why I, I had to. I was dancing too because it's not a visual medium, but it better be soon because that was great. Okay, now we're gonna talk. We're just gonna get right into the fact that this is Mary M E R R Y, Mary and Bright. There's a lot Ooh. of different versions of Mary, but primarily that's what we're gonna be. Primarily, but primarily that's what we're going to be talking about uh, is that spelling. So why exactly do we say Merry Christmas in the U.S. and not Happy Christmas like we would for any other holiday? Tell me. I will right now. The answer is both simple and because it's my topic, kind of complicated. <laughs> so <laughs> basically the simple answer is happy is a feeling and Merry is more of an action. Be Merry, feel happy. Historically, Mary is an older word than happy. Mary was originally used because that's exactly what people wanted to do for Christmas, celebrate. It wasn't until much later when the stuffy British upper crust decided that Mary was more of a word for drunkards that it changed in the UK <laughs> to happy Christmas. That change just never really stuck in America and we're a little more raucous anyway. So uh, that's why still to this day, we say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Christmas in the U.S. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, considering how much whiskey goes in eggnog, I would say Merry is an accurate you know, term. I've never had eggnog. <sighs> oh, lactose intolerant. It, it's not even like, that's not even like what it is for me. It's just there's some weird mental block between drinking eggs and my and my my like my stomach just says what if we never did that oh so good i'm sure it is like I've, I've heard people be like oh this has great eggnog and blah blah, blah and like seen eggnog recipes but like my brain just automatically thinks of the smell of egg yolks every time i think of eggnog i'm gonna trick you you don't have to trick me just make eggnog and i'll drink it i would like to try it it's just one of those things where it doesn't happen enough in my life like I can mm. count maybe on one hand the times people are like, you want some eggnog? So <laughs> if, if it's around, like, yeah, I would try it. It's just like, I don't know. It's just never happened for me. So as an adult <laughs> now, I can say, yeah, I'll try some eggnog. But as a kid, I was like, what is wrong with you? Why are you doing this? <laughs> but anyway, that's why we say Merry now Christmas. Uh, Merry, <laughs> Merry Eggsmas. Shall we return back to the bright? side of life absolutely okay so for the most part i tried to keep it light and happy um i am going to talk about something maybe not quite so light and happy but mm -hmm. interesting not dark just okay. 
All right. <laughs> Let's just move on to the topic. Yes. If you were to Google famous people with the last name Bright, such as I did, <laughs> one of those famous people would be English physician Richard Bright. Okay. He was the first doctor to detail the signs and symptoms of Bright's disease. What we now diagnose as acute or chronic nephritis. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. This discovery has deemed him the father of nephrology. Uh, for those who don't know, this is a kidney disease. Mm -hmm. that, and it involves swelling and the presence of albumin in the urine and oftentimes high blood pressure and heart disease. Nowadays, modern medical professionals recognize that Bright's disease can be caused by a, a widely diverse range of kidney diseases one person could have. So typically, people only refer to Bright's disease as Bright's disease when they are referencing Richard Bright's discoveries or any other historical references. Okay, so it's an, that's an archaic way of referring yeah. to it. I had never heard it's of Bright's disease before. Yes, it's so yeah. it was like the original name for it. And then as medicine progressed and they realized, hey, it's really like a lot of these other things, they stopped referring to it as Bright's disease in medical terms and really only save it for like historical. That makes sense. But thanks yeah. for being the father of nephrology. You can visit his house, 11 Seville Row in London, where a plaque commemorates his accomplishments. And if that is too much of a trip for you, then just turn on the Kingsman films, where Bright's house is used as the filming location of the tailor shop, and you can even spot the plaque in the films. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. That's a cool house. A little yeah. I was like, oh, that's a fun little tidbit to add on to it. So see, kidney disease, obviously not fun. But the fact that like he was the, the kidney dad <laughs> and also that his house was used in the Kingsman films is kind of cool. I like that a lot. Thank you for that fact. And thanks, kidney dad. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Thanks, kidney dad. <laughs> okay, we are going to discuss... For a moment, one of my favorite 2000s controversies, <gasps> the war on Christmas. Ooh, the Starbucks Red Cups? We'll get there. Okay. The term was popularized by the human embodiment of toilet paper stuck to your shoe, Bill O'Reilly, and comes from businesses saying happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. Over the years, corporations have gone back and forth over whether or not to use the word Christmas in their holiday displays. There have been a few legitimate court cases over the Christmas holiday itself and whether or not it violates our First Amendment right, which prohibits establishment of a state religion. Regardless, when it comes to advertisements saying happy holidays being un-American, actually... Thanks to free speech and corporate personhood, it's about as American as you can get. <laughs> you see, just as you can't legally make a person say Merry Christmas because it violates all kinds of stuff, you can't make a corporation like Walmart or Starbucks do it either. 
If they want to take the religious route, they're free to do that. If they're feeling a little more season's greetings than nativity scene this year, they can do that too. That's the real spirit of American non-denominational wintertime gift-giving holidays. (laughs) (laughs) There really is nothing more American than that. So So one of my favorite... I wish I still had this thing up, but uh, one of my favorite tweets ever that really like threw into everybody's face, like exactly how ridiculous this whole thing is, was um, there was a tweet by Jordan Morris, who is a comedian that I really like, and he's on uh, Good Mythical Morning, the show Good Mythical Morning. But he um, he said, I'm tired of these libs telling me that I can't, that I have to say happy Honda days instead of like Merry Toyotathon or something yeah. like that. Like, it's just, it's just so ridiculous. It's like, first of all, you're getting upset with corporations over how they celebrate what you're claiming to be like your sacred family holiday. <laughs> like, it's fine. And the whole keep Christ in Christmas and all that kind of stuff. I am a person who celebrates Christmas and it's really fun, but I don't do it religiously. Well, I mean, I do it every year. I guess that technically goes with the term religiously, but I don't do it in a religious way, but, um, but I still celebrate it. And I think it's great. Um, and I just don't really equate the Christmas holiday as it is celebrated in America to being the same as Christmas in church. Does that make sense? Like they're not even the same thing. Because I feel the same thing. Like the Christmas I celebrate is very much the secular, capitalized, Mm -hmm. Americanized. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of like Um, secular Christmas. I have a question. Uh, Do companies like Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby that are very forward in their religious Mm -hmm. beliefs as their company being founded on that. Do they say Merry Christmas? I don't know if I've ever like paid attention to that or do they stick with the happy holidays? Like I don't know off the top of my head with those two companies. So I do know that Walmart does after they got a huge amount of backlash and for some reason people were, um, boycotting Walmart that they did at one point go back to, I don't know if they're currently doing it. Um, they did go back to specifically putting Christmas into their advertising and on like their store displays instead of holiday shop, it said Christmas shop and that type of thing. Um, so I'm sure that the more religious companies like your in and outs, your hobby lobbies, like that type of thing, like those companies probably do go out of their way to say Christmas. And I don't know if it's in, uh, stick it to the libs type of way or if it's just in a that's the way they like to advertise type of way um but the only one i know about really being like in particular is uh kmart and walmart that they did go out of their way to change it back to christmas but like i said like there is we do have a thing in america and that's corporate personhood and that's that these corporations have certain rights that are the same as people so a lot of it is having to do with contract law and entering into contracts but also a huge amount of it has to do with their right to advertise and say things how they want. They're beholden to their CEOs and if they have a board, they're not beholden to what you, the individual, thinks is a really good idea. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> but they do not. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> I think it's a kind of a little bit of like a one of those like individualized myths 
um, that we see so much now of people being like, well, I went into a store and they said happy holidays. So I yelled, yelled Merry Christmas back in their face. And it's like, you need to chill out. Like you need to chill. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane that you did that. Or like, <laughs> they're not allowed to say yeah. Merry Christmas. I, I, I can almost promise you that the 19 year old at TJ Maxx does not care what they say when you enter the building. <laughs> they don't yeah. care. But yeah, so that is uh, the reason why we have our, the harshest war we've ever fought in America. And that's the war on Christmas. Oh, God. <laughs> well, it's a doozy. That was a, that was a There's been many yeah. casualties. Yeah, I'm getting flashbacks. All the Christmas Starbucks red cups. That the Starbucks were... red cup thing. So that happened in what? 2000, <laughs> that happened in 2005, right? It's 2005, I think. Yeah. Uh, or, no, 2015. Was it? I was 2015. Like, I was like, it was so recent. It was recent because it was not 2005. Um, but that was the dumbest thing because it's literally not like Starbucks. Like you would think that Starbucks handed somebody like a gun and a sex toy. They handed somebody a red yeah, cup. Like also very much the first company to be like, we are going. Oh, we offended one person. We are going to change everything about our entire store and policy yes. too that was that was the craziest thing is it's like you can't you can't make everybody happy all the time and then sometimes you can't make anybody happy any of the time but you just have to go with it like i always think that the best policy whenever something like that happens with businesses is for them to just be like okay because once they start reacting <laughs> to it it's the same thing as like once you start like reacting to kids behaving really badly and then they think that that's their new way of getting things. Like once you start reacting to people being like, well, we're going to boycott and you like legitimately didn't do anything wrong. You, you have to just be like, okay, like chill out, man. Because the second you're like, okay, well, oh my God, we'll change it. We'll put, oh my God, we'll just put a picture of baby Jesus on here. And like, we'll do all this stuff. And like, that'll be amazing. Right? Like once you do that, then that they're going to expect you to appease to them forever. And by the way, I have nothing against people who are like Christians celebrating Christmas. If that's how you need to celebrate and that's what's the most meaningful part to you, I don't care. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Go to church, keep Christ in your Christmas, whatever. Um, but once you make it a national holiday, then you have to appease every single citizen and allow them to celebrate mm -hmm. it how they want to. So that's my two cents on that war on Christmas. I Hot died in the war on Christmas. Kate. What's Hot that? Hot takes with Kate. Hat takes. Let's. One day Hot we're gonna have an Kate. episode where I don't hot take. But yeah, that is that's my <laughs> that's my war on Christmas. I died in the war on Christmas, and I'm never gonna talk about it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we will move on to Christmas. <laughs> what? I thought we never talked about it again. I am going to give you the um, best Christmas light displays in Mississippi, California, and Arizona. Huh? I'm interested. Yeah, I'm interested to see if you know any of these. Okay. Probably not Arizona. <laughs> no, promise you I don't. Mississippi and California one. Okay. So starting with Mississippi, the Canton Christmas Festival. Okay. I don't know that one. I mean, no. I know where Canton is. I used to have a, a theater teacher who's from Canton, but I have never been to Canton, actually. 
It is the home of more than 200,000 lights for the last 31 years. What? And it begins the weekend after Thanksgiving, goes all the way through most of December. Not only does it promise tons of beautiful light displays, but also they boast lots of several other fun holiday activities. Very cool. Moving on over to Arizona. According to this article, I have hot <laughs> takes on this. <laughs> the tumbleweed tree, which is a tradition lasting over 50 years in Chandler, Arizona, which is just outside of Phoenix, um, is the most famous and best light show. Um, it is 1,000 tumbleweeds formed into a tree shape and spray-painted white. Then it is decorated in 65 pounds of glitter and 1,200 lights. 65 pounds of glitter. That's that, so much glitter. That, oh my God, that is a nightmare. Because you know, everybody always says glitter is the herpes of craft supplies. Yeah. So that is an absolute nightmare. Sounds dope, though. But, however, personally, I say go to Winter Haven in Tucson, Arizona. Nothing tops the light displays there. It is a neighborhood, and you are required to decorate if you live there. And Ooh. the electrical company comes out to help decorate the giant trees. And um, I feel like this could just be a rumor that I've heard, or it could be true, but I'm pretty sure they don't have to pay for their, like, electricity bill for the, like, the period that Winter Haven is open, because, like, oh. it is open for hours from, like, Thanksgiving to the New Year, and they have these, like, crazy light displays. And uh, they had, they used to have horse-drawn carriages go through, but they got rid of those. They usually have, like, one or two nights where you can drive through if you don't want to walk through. And it's free to do. All they ask is that you bring a couple cans of food to be donated to the food bank. That is so cool. So do you remember that there was, this was in no way similar to that, but um, there was, like, one cul-de-sac in Temecula that every single house would decorate, like, crazy and everyone would drive through it. You yes. probably don't. I don't. Do you remember that? I didn't go there, but I remember like seeing people like post stuff yes. about it. Like when on like the wives pages, they'd be like, "Where can I go to see Christmas lights?" And people would always share that one. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, but that's because I've never been to. I mean, I've driven through displays, but I've never driven through like a neighborhood display like that. Um, and so that's so cool. I like the ones that are all like connected to the same like music and everything. That's incredible. Yeah. And Winter Haven is where it's at. Unfortunately, this year it is closed because of COVID. They aren't even allowing drive throughs. But um, if you're ever in Tucson around the holidays, go there. It is so worth it. It's Arizona. So it's not really that cold at night. <laughs> um, but even if you do get cold, there's hot chocolate or tea and coffee and other little treats at the center of the neighborhood. And it's just, it's amazing. I'll send Kate some photos and she can post some. I will <laughs> or for even sure you do can that. just Google it and you can see lots of photos. That's so cool. Yeah. Thank you, Arizona that State is, Representative. Oh. Yes. Yes. Now I should probably go to California. Yes. California. Um, <laughs> California, being on the coast is known for their boat parades of lights. So 
the two most popular ones in SoCal are the Dana Point Harbor Boat Parade of Lights and a similar event hosted by the King Harbor Yacht Club up in Redondo Beach. And basically, both are just beautiful boats, yachts, covered in a ton of Christmas lights floating through the harbor, and you can stand and watch them. And some of these people can get their uh, boat to look pretty darn cool. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Boat parades are cool, except for the one that was the Donald Trump on fire boat parade, but <laughs> boat parades are really cool to me. I really like those. That's that's really neat. Thanks. Did you ever go to the, any of the boat parades? Like, I think they maybe did some down in like Mission Bay too or something, but like Dana Point and Redondo Beach had the like really big ones. I, I have not gone to any of the ones in California. There's uh, where I'm from on the Gulf Coast, we did boat parades for stuff. Um, but I've never been to one in California. So that would that would have been really cool. Maybe when I move back to Cali, I'll check one out. Because it sounds that sounds really cool. And it, they're like super rich. So you know that they you know they're pretty dope. Yes, exactly. I've never been, but I am now probably gonna add it to my list of things to do. All right. So I know I'm almost exclusively talking about Mary as in M-E-R-R-Y, but this is just a fun little fact, and that's literally what this entire podcast is. So <laughs> the most common women's name ever to be used in history in the world is Mary. M-A-R-Y. Um, so shout out to my mom. But <laughs> the origins of Mary come from Maria. And it is very possible that the original English pronunciation was none other than friend of the pod, Mariah. <gasps> Mariah! It's not weird flex if we don't mention Mariah. So. <laughs> Mariah, Maria, Mary. <laughs> All you Mariahs, Marias, and Marys out there, this one's for you gals. Which Mariah's mom's name is Maria. So, ooh, interesting. But yeah, so that is the uh, everybody's favorite. Mary is Mary. Nice. Mm -hmm. I never really like thought about it, but Mary really is probably the most common. Like, it's probably it, it is like. I mean, it literally. I had. Yeah, I was like, I. We have. Yeah, I was literally sitting there going, I bet that's the most common. And I was like, Google would know. So I looked it up. And yes, it is the most common in history. And uh, Mary of Nazareth is not the first person named Mary, <laughs> just for future future reference. Um, that was already a common name at the time. I think it's kind of cool that like, that name is still around and still popular. Like people are still being named Mary. Yeah. You don't hear it as much anymore, but I do like, I love a classic name. So obviously I love a classic name, but, but yeah, I mean, you that is and like Maria is still mm -hmm. like, you still hear about children being named like Maria and stuff like that. So, um, and it's all just, you know, the same way of saying a name in different languages. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's really that's pretty neat. So all you all you Marys out there, you are common, but you're a favorite. Yeah, you are. Well, thank you for sharing that one. You're welcome for sharing that one. Our next segment involves us journeying back to September 12th, 
1952 in West Virginia. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) On this night, two brothers, Edward and Fred May, along with their friend, Tommy Heyer, saw a bright object cross the sky before landing on a local farm. I do Do know know what's going to happen. Yes, I do know. (laughs) This is the story of the Flatwoods Monster. Okay. Bum, bum. Um, (laughs) the three boys ran home to the maze house where they told their mother kathleen what they had just witnessed kathleen rounded up some more people and a group of them went to investigate just what it was the boys had seen which honestly if someone came up to my house and was like yo i'm pretty sure i just saw a ufo crash land in the sky's farm let's go check it out i'd be like down let's go I would would be all over it. Why don't my neighbors come and ask me to do that with them? I have not had a single neighbor in my life ask me to go look at a UFO they might have seen. And I think that that's pretty messed up, guys. Yeah. Once they reached the top of a hill, the group saw a pulsing red light. And when one person aimed a flashlight in the direction, they witnessed a tall, Man-like figure with a round red face surrounded by a pointed hood-like shape. That's also how people explain me. (laughs) A tall man-like figure with a red face. (laughs) Pointed hood-like shape. Oh, yes, it's me. (laughs) Does this also apply? They claimed to have smelled a pungent mist. (laughs) Yeah, that's me. Same. Continuing, the figure that made a hissing noise (laughs) excited (laughs) them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it sounds right. It sounds like me. Was this my (laughs) wedding day? (laughs) So they ran off, and the local sheriff and deputy went to investigate the reports of a crashed aircraft, but found nothing. (sighs) I mean, don't trust them. Despite these statements from local authorities, the story still spread and drew in a bunch of UFO investigators to the area. Uh, Years later, Joe Nickel from the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry, which, boring, those are lame people. They probably get to investigate the coolest things, but they have to be boring and prove them wrong. Yeah, way to be skeptical, God. He investigated in 2000, and um, he proved that a meteor had been seen across three different states, which is probably what the boys saw, and three flashing red aircraft beacons were also seen, like, from these three different states, including West Virginia was one of the three. Okay. So he determined that the boys had simply seen the meteor, and the aircraft beacons gave off the pulsing red light, and that the creature they saw was more than likely an owl. So, is the Flatwoods monster real? Was it an alien? Yes. Was yes. it just <laughs> was it just the group mentality of fear in the moment that led to an exaggeration of an owl? Um, I'm gonna say a little bit of everything. a little bit of all of it (laughs) the flatwoods monster that's me 
Flatwoods monster. From now on, I would like to be exclusively referred to as the Flatwoods monster. <laughs> okay. Well, that was wonderful. I love it. We love a UFO story. We always do. Yeah. Um, but now we're going to talk about something that is so far away from that. It's unbelievable. So <laughs> we're going to talk about merry-go-rounds. Ooh. A little bit of history on merry-go-rounds. So carousels are over 600 years old. Their original use being a horseback agility training for knights, then eventually becoming rides that toured the countryside that were kind of similar to that. So they used to have like rings that would be hanging and you would have like a pole um, that you would have to like grab the ring with the pole, which was like to simulate jousting. Um, if you've ever seen the smash hit A Knight's Tale, you know that they would <laughs> they would practice by trying to get certain things. And that's why certain uh, merry-go-rounds and carousels to this day will have like a little ring sticking out that you have to like grab it. And it's like part of the ride. Um, yeah. So the merry-go-round didn't come about in the way that we kind of think of it until the 19th century. The oldest stationary carousel in the world, meaning the building stays still, but the animals turn mechanically, was built in 1790 in Germany. And though the building remains, all of the parts have steadily been replaced over time. So um, it, it's still there in the park where it was originally built, but it doesn't have the original pieces. Oh, that's kind of sad. Yeah. Also, in 1970, a bunch of people stole, like, all the animals off of it and they had to replace them all. Like, what is your damage? Yeah. What is wrong with you? Just don't ever do that. What if you just never did that? Um, the first ever amusement ride at Coney Island was a merry-go-round built in 1875. The oldest American platform carousel, which is what we think of where the animals are on a turning platform that goes around a central column, is located in Massachusetts, and it was built in 1876. It was, this particular one was originally at Coney Island, and then it was moved to Massachusetts, but it was built in 1876. In the UK, merry-go-rounds turn clockwise with their animals facing left, while in North America, and the rest of Europe, they actually turn the other way, anti-clockwise, with their animals facing right. Which I just thought was an, uh, a, an interesting uh, little tidbit. Because why would they do that? Why would they do that? Yeah, that who, is why would, why would that be something that they feel that strongly about? <laughs> it's just, it was fascinating What do they know that we don't know? Or is it just one of those things where they're just like, it's just that British idea of like, well, this is how we do things, you know? What yeah, happens if you, bad. yeah, what happens if you import a merry-go-round to the UK and you're like, hey, here's the Spanish merry-go-round and they're like, get this out. <laughs> it goes the wrong way. Very so, interesting. Yeah, that is a, Did you know I was watching the Hallmark Channel movie? The Christmas Carousel last night? I did not know that, but I think that, like, in my soul, my body just assumed that you were watching a Hallmark movie. Because <laughs> it's, it's who the you Christmas are. Carousel, so. I, I feel like every Hallmark movie, you would not have to tell me what it's about. I already know. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> I, I would be able to guess it. But yeah, that is the history of just a brief history of merry-go-rounds. There's a lot, there's a lot of history of merry-go-rounds, but it is, it is a little bit dry, so we won't go into it. But yeah, there you go. 
Well, thank you. You're welcome. I am going to take us back to outer space. Oh, man, we're really hanging out here. <laughs> we kind of talked about this, but so not only is today the day that we're recording right now, your birthday in the United States, but it's Ding. also the winter solstice, correct? Ding. Very correct. Well, another pretty cool event took place today as well. It is the great conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. Ooh, I hope everybody manifested. <laughs> While they have been visible for the past few days in the evening, the evening of the 21st is the closest alignment they will have. And the best time to see them is an hour after sunset in the low southwest portion of the sky. Both planets are bright enough that you can see them with the naked eye. Mmm, sexy. <laughs> naked <laughs> eyes. The way you said that, I was like, oh. <laughs> this only happens once every 20 years. And for them to be so close together and visible in the sky is even more rare. Back in 2000, when they aligned, it was near the sun and therefore could not really be seen by people. The last time Saturn and Jupiter appeared this close together was back in the 1600s. But again, it was difficult to see for most people because of the proximity to the sun. So the last time that humans could have witnessed a conjunction as great as this would have been back in the 1200s. Whoa, that's pretty cool. Last time that Saturn and Jupiter were as close together as they are now and not close to the sun so like you could actually see them being close together was back in the 1200s that uh that adds a little bit more interest to it for sure right so i hope that, i mean obviously this will have already happened by the time this podcast comes out but i hope that all of you guys got to watch um got to you know just take get, take a little gander see it happen because it was it was kind of all over the place that it was going to happen but I know for me, I did try to see it. It's very cloudy here because it's been raining like crazy. So I did not get to see. And I know that my dad texts me. He didn't get to see either because it was too cloudy. So all you, yeah. And SoCal, it was nice. Yeah. And, and I could see it. All you clear, um, clear desert folk. I hope you, I hope you <laughs> took a mental picture. Put the phone away for a second. You don't have to take an actual picture. But I hope you took a mental <laughs> picture and you remember it. That's pretty cool. I like that a lot. So, um. As we we're saying, it's pretty rare that we're able to step outside and witness this alignment. And tis the season because some people believe this exact alignment might have been what we know of as the Star of Bethlehem. Oh, very cool. And I feel like some people have like done the map and the math and the star map math. <laughs> okay. <laughs> dated it and it is it could actually have been one of these types of alignments around the time that the star of Bethlehem would have been shining and guiding the people to baby Jesus and that would have been one super clear sky not a yes. single bit of light pollution to be seen or actual pollution really so that would have definitely been a very clear sky that's pretty neat so hopefully you didn't miss this event mm -hmm. if you were able to see it because the next time it will be visible like this and they will be close will be December 25th 
2,874. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, I'll definitely be there for sure. (laughs) Wow. Uh, You want to stay in space? (laughs) Yes, I do. We've been in space this whole time. All right. I had it in the the clouds of space. (laughs) Okay, so it's my turn to get metaphysical, which I don't do very often. we are going to talk about Mary Lynn Noble. So Mary's name is actually spelled M-E-R-R-Y, which I like. That's kind of cool. But in February of 1982, Mary was having a really tough time. She was struggling with depression and drug and alcohol addiction. So she picked up and went to spend some time with her parents in Montana. On her own account, one evening while her family was out for a drive, Mary saw a flying saucer and she without even trying astral projected inside. What? Yes. She described the feeling of being in the craft as peaceful and womb like she spoke to a being inside telepathically upon reentering her body. Things turned around for Mary she was able to get help for her addictions, find a good job, and find the happiness that she had been looking for. She always says that she still communicates telepathically with the being and credits it and credits it with showing her how to access the side of herself that could rise above all of her challenges. She has written several self-help books and is active in the abductees community. Um, she writes her books under Mary Lynn Noble, PhD. I don't know if she has a PhD, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, she uh, tell, she tries to tell the story as much as she can of her abduction experience because it's very different than many people's abduction experience. And it makes me think of the SNL sketch with Ryan Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys know that one of the three, uh. the three like burnouts that were abducted and two of them had this same Mary Lynn Noble experience of being like very happy and it being womb-like and them feeling like gently caressed and everything. And this other, this other one was uh, basically just uh, <laughs> like had to like pee in a pot in the middle of a room and was dropped <laughs> on top of a Long John Silver's with her pants stuck <laughs> in a tree. So, um, but yeah, that would that's a Mary Lynn Noble and the UFO that saved her life. I like that story. I have not heard that one. It's actually very difficult to find info on this story. It's like it's a little bit known in the like UFO type of community thing. And then <laughs> other than that, there's not that much written about it. And I think it's because she's kind of a kooky gal. Yeah. And it didn't happen in like the 50s and 60s. It happened in the 80s. But, um, but yeah, she's very open about it. She loves to talk about it. So yeah, that is Mary Lynn Noble. Well, thank you. You're welcome. And we hope you guys enjoyed all of these fun, merry and bright facts and that it was a little lightness before holidays because holidays are a little different this year. Yeah, we um, did not talk about a single murder, which is very unusual for us. I even talked about UFOs to not talk about murder. So, talked a lot about space and aliens. It turns out that Marion Bright is almost exclusively space related. Um, 
But if you have been abducted by aliens and they saved you from a lifetime of drug and alcohol abuse, you can let us know at weirdflexpodcast at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. You can you can tell us anything you want. You want to just spark up a convo about some stuff you know? We love to hear about it. Um, if you want to contact us on the Instagrams, we are at Weird Flex Podcast on Instagram as well. And you can get updates on when we're going to be putting stuff out. That's kind of like the easiest way to contact us, the easiest way to see what's going on. And that's also where we put some visual aids to the stuff that we have going on. Um, and yes. Oh, I was going to say, send us um, if you got a really great photo of the Jupiter Saturn convergence, yes. send it to us. Um, if to you it. have the coolest Christmas light or holiday light display in your hometown, tell us about it. We want to hear about it. Yeah. I love Christmas lights. I love If you've I love seen well. the Flatwoods Monster, if tell you, me. I want if you are the Flatwoods Monster. <laughs> then also tell us um but yeah uh the best way and the freest way to support us in this um happy honda days experience here that we're having <laughs> is to share us with your friends share us with your family share us with your coworkers. shout us into the ether let people tell know strangers tell strangers let people know that you listen to a podcast and it's just two gals telling you info because that's what we're doing um we would love to keep doing this and it feels good every time we get a new listener to just know that more people are kind of hearing what we have to talk about. It's very appreciated. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, but would the you more people listen, the more likely I will have answers to my cookie monster theft. <laughs> it's true. Someday we will find out who stole the cookie, but would you like to go down citation street? Let's do it. All right. You started. All right. For the brightest star in the galaxy, I got that info from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory from the California Institute of Technology. JPL! Yes, it is the brightest star in the galaxy has new competition. Mm. Bright's disease I got from the Wikipedia pages on Richard Bright and on Bright's disease. Travel and leisure gave me the best Christmas light displays in every state. Wikipedia for the Flatwoods Monster. And for some info on this really cool, rare astronomical event, we got that from NASA and space.com. Awesome. And my own two eyes. And her own two eyes. She saw it. I saw a picture that she took of it. She definitely saw it. And the sky was, was the sky purplish? It was. The color, I mean, there also our neighbors below us have purple Christmas lights. So it was giving the sky, like, was like that nice indigo color. And then mm. the purple lights were also, like, adding to it. And I it was loved just like, it. yeah. And it was the mental picture is yeah. one for the, for the ages. Well, you're not going to see it again for a while. So get used to keeping that one inside. Okay. <laughs> So um, why we only say Merry for Christmas, I got that from Mental Floss, and that was actually a Mental Floss video um, on YouTube. Um, the War on Christmas, that came from jstore.org, talking about the legal aspects, and then a brief history of the War on Christmas by Alex Altman for Time Magazine. When talking about how common the name Merry is, that came from Wikipedia, of course. 
Um, the first merry-go-round and history of merry-go-rounds came from USA Today and Smithsonian Magazine. And then Mary Lynn Noble being abducted by a UFO came from HowStuffWorks.com. And they, to my knowledge, have the only extensive article about Mary Lynn Noble. Mm. So, yeah. Well, that was great. Merry Christmas. Happy Merry holidays. Christmas. Seasons greetings. Holidays. Uh, happy will, everything. We will see you all next week mm -hmm. to wrap up 2020 with beginning and end. Yes. So next week, we will finally say goodbye to 2020, <laughs> the year that brought us this podcast, that brought us closer together, but also brought us some garbage. So we're going to tuck that garbage right into the disposal and say goodbye to it with you guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye.